shown a lot and um, I really had a couple of other things I was wanting to minister but I just feel like this is what God put on my heart and I know that many of you have heard this I've heard it hundreds of times and I still get blessed I just taught my Bible college students recently this and I tell you what there was there was this one girl that at the beginning of our school year she came up and she was just a little testy she was upset. She was angry. I don't know why I'm here. And she just had a bad attitude about everything. And I honestly thought she probably isn't going to last. And, you know, as she sat through this teaching on spirit, soul, and body, and I, in my Bible college I teach at least eight lessons on it. And, uh, of course, really everything I teach is based on this. Everything I teach is spirit, soul, and body. It's just under a different title. And... Uh, Anyway, as we've been going through the year, you know, we've only gone a couple of months. She is just transformed. She's actually sitting there bouncing up and down. And I singled her out the other day and I asked her, I said, so how are you doing? And she says, I can't tell you what this has done for me. She said, my whole life has changed. And I could tell her whole life has changed. You could see it. And I have seen this just transform the lives of people. It's my personal testimony that this revelation that I'm going to share with you is what literally turned my life around. You know, Leland Shores down here is the man I was talking about who's in Uganda and running our ministry over there in Uganda. And when we were with him this summer in Uganda, Leland said, I think that this is the way you said it, that it was like somebody stuck a key in his brain and turned it and it just unlocked his understanding. And uh, that expresses what happened to me. And ever since then, Leland, I've been using that. But since you're sitting there, I'll give you credit for it. <laughs> but I've been telling everybody else that's what God told me. But this is literally what happened. I mean, it's just like this is what changed my life. Real quickly, let me just give you a little bit of background before I start sharing these scriptures. And the purpose of saying all of this is to get you to see how important this is. Even if you've heard this, you need a deeper revelation, a full understanding. I really believe that understanding these simple things that I'm going to be talking about will revolutionize your life. If this doesn't absolutely transform your life, then you didn't hear what I said. And this will literally uh, make you unfit for religion. It will change you. This, this is just radically, I mean radically, radically different than what most people are saying today. And this is what changed my life. The re, let me just introduce it by saying that I was uh, raised over here in Arlington, Texas. I was born again when I was eight years old. I began to seek the Lord when I was a very young child and I've never gone away from Him. I've always been trying to walk with the Lord although I did it religiously for a long period of time. And from the time I got born again at 8 until I was 18, I got to where I was trusting in myself, trusting in my goodness. I was trying to earn God's favor. I was trying to live holy and do all of these things. And I was doing good things. And there was some benefit. It kept me from getting into many of the things that other people got into. And so I'm not saying it was 100% wrong. But I became a Pharisee to where I was trusting in my goodness. And then on March the 23rd, 1968, over here at University Baptist Church in the pastor study at midnight on Saturday night, I had an encounter with God. And it's a long story, but the long and the short of it was he showed me I was a religious hypocrite. 
that I was trusting in my own goodness. And the way that he got me out of that was to just show me how vile my hypocrisy was, my self-righteousness was. And I mean, I got a revelation of my unworthiness, my self-righteousness. It wasn't that God was putting me down. He was just trying to get me out of trusting in myself. I got a revelation of this that just literally transformed my life. And I expected God to kill me. I could go into a lot more detail on all of this, but that is not an exaggeration. The theology I was raised under, uh, basically God dealt with you based on how holy and how good you were. And for the first time in my life, I realized I was an absolute modern day hypocrite and Pharisee. And I hadn't realized it. I'd done it sincerely. And uh, when I saw it, I turned myself inside out in front of all of the leaders of the church, in front of all my best friends. I ruined my reputation. John, were you in that prayer meeting that night, March the 23rd, 1968? You must not have been there. This is the man I called Lurch. He was, we called him Lurch, you know, because the Adams family, they had that uh, butler on there that was called Lurch, and he's a big old tall guy. And anyway, we called him Lurch. But I thought you might have been in there. But anyway, when that happened, my life was just, I expected God to kill me. And instead of God killing me, I had the love of God tangibly come upon me for four and a half months. And I was just gone someplace. I didn't consciously eat or sleep. I mean, I was just caught up in the presence of God. And it was wonderful Uh, But after four and a half months, the emotion of that wore off, which I could teach for an hour or two on that, but God doesn't want you living on an emotional plane. Some of you are trying to get there. God doesn't want you to be there. You can't sustain it. You can't live there. You have to learn to walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. After four and a half months, I came back to, you know, down on the earth in reality, and then I was stunned because I didn't know what I did to cause this manifestation of God's love. I didn't know what I did to make it leave. I didn't know what to do to get it back. I began to panic. And one of the best things that ever happened to me, I was drafted and sent to Vietnam. And in Vietnam for 13 months, I just had to sit there and read the Bible. That's all I could do. It was either go the way of the world or get in the word. And so for Anywhere from 12 to 15 hours a day, I'd just sit and read the Bible. And when I went to Vietnam, I was a Baptist. But after spending 15 hours a day in the Bible for 13 months, when I came back, I wasn't a Baptist. I went back to my Baptist church and they didn't want me anymore. (laughs) And uh, it changed my life. And here is what God said to me that began to change my life. Because here, here was one of the major conflicts in my life. I had experienced God's unconditional love. Not just somebody telling me about it. I experienced it. You know, I don't know how to say these things in a way. I cannot communicate what I experienced. It's 40 years now and I still haven't ever been able to say what happened to me. But I saw with my heart and I felt with my heart, God in a way that I'm not sure everybody has felt. God touched my life in a supernatural way and it was awesome. But how do you go back to being normal after something like that? 
I couldn't. And I was desperate to get back into that place. And here's one of the major problems I had. When I felt and experienced God's unconditional love that changed my life was when I got a revelation of how ungodly I was. Not when I was at my best. For the first time in my life, I realized I didn't deserve anything. And it was when I finally humbled myself and said, God, I, you know, I just asked God for mercy. That's when I experienced the love of God. And it was completely contrary to all of my theology because basically religion teaches do right and God will bless you. And I, for the first time in my life, realized everything I'd done was no count, no good. And I humbled myself. And that's when I experienced the love of God. And I could not, for the life of me, understand how a holy, righteous God, and this is one of the spinoffs of what happened, when you see how unholy you are, all of a sudden, I saw the holiness and the righteousness of God in a way that I'd never seen it before. And I believe that many people have never seen it. I understood the goodness and the righteousness of God. And I just could not wrap my brain around how a holy, righteous God could love an unholy, unrighteous me. And you know what? I believe that this is where most people are. You have come to the Lord. You've asked for forgiveness. I'm talking about Christians here, people that are born again. And you believe that if you were to die, you wouldn't go to hell. You'd go to heaven. But you don't walk in a closeness, in an intimacy with God. You don't have the power of God manifest in your life the way you should. Not because you don't believe that He exists, but basically it all boils down to that you don't feel worthy. You can't understand how God could use you. You don't doubt that God uses me or somebody else. If I stood up here and started giving testimonies about miracles, we saw just last night a man come out of a wheelchair with MS and his eight-year-old daughter is sitting there had never seen her dad walk, and he just started walking everywhere last night. If I start telling you about all of these miracles that happen, most of you believe in that. But if I say, all right, you come up here and pray for him, all of a sudden, you don't have faith anymore. What are you doubting? You aren't doubting that God can do it. You know that he can do it. You rejoice at my testimony about what's happened, but you know where most people are missing it they believe that God exists, that God's power exists, but they just doubt that God will do it for them because they don't feel worthy. And this is exactly where I was. I knew that God existed. I had experienced Him in a way that nobody else I knew had experienced Him. I had been caught up in the presence of God. And yet, how could a holy God love somebody like me? And man, I was struggling. And I can tell you this, that that experience would have worn off decades ago if I hadn't gotten hold of this truth that I'm going to be sharing with you this week. This is what unlocked my brain. This is what allowed me to start relating to God. It's what just changed my life around. And I can promise you, unless you come from a different planet, I just think that this will do the same thing for you if you get the same revelation. I don't think that this is just for me. I think that this is a revelation that if you can understand the things we're talking about, it'll just revolutionize your life and it'll totally set you on a different course. Let's look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to start with these verses. 
In verse 16, it says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. You know, that's a little bit wordy, but I taught on this this morning, and this was powerful. I'm not going to go there. I'd love to go there. This is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Word, if you understand what he's saying. It's, it's awesome. But let me just make this one application. That you know what? Most of us do not know ourselves after the Spirit. We only know ourselves in the physical realm. If I was to ask you, if I was talking to you on the phone and say you were coming to this meeting tonight, and I said, well, I want to meet you. Uh, who are you? Most of you, of course, would describe yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, how tall you are, whether you're skinny, fat, uh, probably you wouldn't say that, but you would describe, you know, how heavy you are, what you weigh or something, or you'd tell me what you look like, what color of hair you've got. We know ourselves in the physical realm and we describe that, but if I was to say, what are you like in the spirit? Some of us would come up with some religious cliche. We would have something we would say, but functionally, most of us do not know who we are in the Spirit. You wouldn't recognize yourself. You're in the Word all over the place about the things that you can do. That man, you shall lay hands on the sick and you shall recover. Many of you have heard that, but you know what? You don't see yourself that way. You don't see yourself. The average Christian sees the power of God as being out there. And what we've got to do is pray it down and call on the power of God. And oh God, send your power. And oh God, move. When the truth is, it's not out there someplace. God is already on the inside of you. He's already placed the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside you are awesome. You have the exact same power and ability, the faith of God, the mind of God, the anointing of God. And yet we have all of these services where we pray for a greater anointing and, oh God, pour out your power. You can't get any more power. I heard Kenneth Copeland one time say that he was begging God and pleading with God to send more power. He needed more power in his meetings. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Kenneth, where would I go to get any more power? He says, I've already given you all power in heaven and in earth. There is no more power. You can't get any more power. He says, you could use more power than what you're using, but I can't give you any more power. Most of us, see, don't know this. Functionally, we only know ourselves on the outside. We only know ourselves in physical, natural terms. But the truth is that on the inside of us, there is a brand new person. The next verse says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It says all things, not some things, all things, completely brand new. One translation that I read of this verse says, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new species of being that never existed before. You are a totally brand new creation. Now again, this is not the perception that most Christians have because most Christians are carnal. That means of the five senses. We are dominated by what we see in the mirror, what we feel in our emotions. And most of us think that this is the person that we are. If you walk up and say, how are you? Most people will say, oh, I've got this pain in my body or my back hurts or they'll describe something in the physical. Or sometimes if you say, how are you? They'll say, oh man, I'm really discouraged or oh, I'm happy today or something like that. That's all describing carnal, physical things. 
But there is a spirit you that the average person doesn't know. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That makes it very clear that you are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Functionally, most people only know two parts of them, the body and the soul. But there is a spirit. Matter of fact, even if you look the word pneuma up in the Greek, in the Strong's Concordance, pneuma is the Greek word that is translated spirit in the New Testament. Did you know that Strong's defines uh, spirit as the immortal soul? He just runs those two together. Most people really believe functionally that soul and spirit are just different terminologies referring to the same part. We will even sing songs like, I came to see a soul saved. When people get born again, their soul isn't the part of them that gets saved. You know, you can prove that because again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things. Not some things, all things. Totally brand new. You can prove that that's not your physical body because if you were fat before you got saved, you're still going to be fat after you get saved. Your physical body is not the part that got changed. You can look in a mirror and you still look the same. If you were ugly before you got saved, you're still going to be ugly after you get saved. And it's also not talking about your soulish part. If you were stupid before you got saved, you're still going to be stupid after you get saved. Now you can change that by education or you can start believing God and God can quicken your mind and you can function better, but it is not automatic in your body or in your soul that you get changed. And this is why a lot of people get confused. Did you know every time I minister on this on television or radio, our response from prisoners goes up because prisoners, you know, are in prison and of course they've messed up. They realize they need a new start. They need to start over. And so some preacher comes and says, would you like to be a new person? Would you like to do it over? Would you like to do it right this time? Would you, do you need a brand new start? And everybody, yeah, I need a new start. And so you say, well, believe on the Lord and you become a brand new person. Old things pass away. All things become new. And so they pray wanting everything to change. And they pray and make Jesus their Lord. And then they wake up in the morning and they're in the same jail cell. They're still wearing the county issued clothes. They still got the same guards treating them. They've still got a sentence to serve. And all of a sudden they thought, well, I thought everything was going to be new. And yet their physical circumstances are the same. And then in their emotions, they still feel guilty over what they did. And they still have people ridiculing them and they still get mad and they still have memories about what happened and they think, well, I thought everything became new. And you know what? There's a lot of people that pray and ask for Jesus to come into their life, but they are thinking that the change is going to happen on this outside in your physical body and in your soulish part, but that's not where the change takes place. By process of elimination, you can rule out your body and your soul. They aren't changed yet. Your body is going to be changed. It's been redeemed and we have a promise that we've got a body waiting for us in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about that. And that if uh, this spiritual, this physical house is dissolved, we've got a spiritual house or a spiritual body waiting for us. So we've got that purchased, but it's not redeemed yet. 
You don't have a glorified body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, This mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruption. And it was talking about that we will be changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And so this physical body is going to be changed, but it's not changed yet. So that's not the part of you that old things have already passed away and everything's become new. Your soulish realm isn't that part either because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we only know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. You do not know all things right now, even as you are known, as it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So the soulish part isn't perfected yet. It's not the way it's supposed to be. So just by process of elimination, you can tell that this isn't talking about your body that was changed and old things passed away and all things became new. It's not talking about your soul, but in the spirit, you are a absolute, completely brand new species of being that never existed before. You know, we had three people born again last night and we prayed with them and they showed a little bit of emotion. I think they felt the presence of God and they felt relief and felt like, you know, a weight had been lifted off of them. But basically you could look at them and it was the same person. They were wearing the same clothes. They looked the same after they got born again. And it would be easy to look at that and think, well, what happened to them? In the natural, they weren't changed. And I've seen lots of people pray a prayer and receive salvation, and yet they still have some emotional problems. They still are discouraged. It takes a while for you to renew your mind and begin to transform. This change doesn't take place. They, according to the scripture, they became a brand new person. And yet you could look at them and I guarantee you any family member would still recognize them. You could quiz them and I guarantee you their IQ was still the same as it was before. They still had the same memories. So what happened? And see people that don't understand that there is a spiritual realm out here around us. There are spiritual beings in this room, in this auditorium tonight. And people who don't understand that you are primarily a spiritual being. And if you don't come to know yourself by the spirit, well, then people like that just look at something and think, you know what? Bible says you become a new person, but I don't see any difference. I don't feel any difference. They still look the same. But in the spirit realm, a miracle took place. Those people are absolutely transformed. They are born again. They were born from above. They are completely brand new. And see, this is what began to happen to me. Let me give you just another little background piece to this that after I got into the Word in Vietnam, the Word was just like boiling on the inside of me. I was pregnant with the Word of God. But I didn't understand. I didn't have the understanding of it, but the Word was beginning to start changing my life. And right after I got out of Vietnam, Jamie and I married October the 27th, 1972. And... We moved to uh, Kingsley Place Apartments in Dallas and I sat there and what I did, I had uh, yellow sheets of paper, these legal pads. This is back before we had computers. And I, what I would do, I wrote out on one line as many scriptures as I could that, you know, just the scripture references that were speaking to me. And I had three legal pads 
filled with hundreds of references that God was just... I knew that there was something in them that if I could ever unlock those scriptures, they would change my life. And I knew that it was there. And what I would do, I had these three legal pads, front and back, and I would get up in the morning and I would sit down with another legal pad and I would write out every word in those verses. And I would do that for about 15 hours a day and sit there and write them out. And as I wrote every word, I would meditate on this and think about it and say, God, what does this mean? And then after 12 to 15 hours of doing that every day, we lived in a little tiny one-bedroom apartment in Dallas. I would literally move the shoes out of the bottom of the closet and lock myself in my closet because, you know, Jamie was there and I didn't want to disturb her. And I would literally get in the closet and just spend a couple of hours, two, three hours, praying in tongues and saying, God, what does this mean? This is different than everything I've been taught. And I would pray and say, God, what does it mean? I did that for six months every day, 12 to 15 hours studying the Word, two to three hours praying in tongues. And then all of a sudden, I mean, a lot of things happened, but they all converged. And in one week, boom, revelation hit me and I got a revelation. I was reading a book by a man that uh, I won't tell you what he was because I really don't know whether to recommend him or not. But he, was, he just made a statement that it's not your body that got saved. It's not your soul that got saved. You are a brand new person in the Spirit. And I read the first chapter of his book. I looked up every reference. And when he got to that statement, I looked up 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I never finished that book. And for 40 years, that's been enough to keep me going. I've been studying this and I mean all of a sudden when I saw that all of these scriptures I've been meditating on and the praying in tongues and asking for revelation within one week it's like an atomic bomb took place on the inside of me. I got revelation and basically everything I've been preaching for 40 years I saw it in that one week. I got a revelation of this and I've been filling in the gaps and getting more definition and understanding it better through scriptures. But basically, I saw this back in about... It would have been in 1973 by that time. And it just totally transformed my life. And it was basically about that it was the spirit part of me that got born again. John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus was speaking and he said, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's not talking about some mannerism. We say, oh, we're in the spirit when everybody's shouting and everybody's running, somebody jumps a pew or everybody's speaking in tongues or doing something. You know, worshiping God in spirit is talking about through who you are in Christ on the basis of what has happened to you in the spirit. When a person comes before God and says, Oh God, I failed you so badly. God, I'm just so sorry. You aren't in spirit. You're in flesh. Your spirit hasn't failed God. Your born again spirit is as pure and holy and righteous as Jesus is and it never fluctuates. I'm saying a lot of things right here that this week I'm going to go back and I'm going to nail every one of these things down and tie it to scripture so that you can stand on it. I'm just giving you a little taste of this. But anytime you come before God and you're depressed or you're discouraged, no, God, I'm just so, I'm so hurt. You aren't in the spirit. Your spirit can't be hurt. 
Your spirit isn't hurt. It's never hurt. Your spirit's never discouraged. Your spirit never is unbelief. Your spirit is never bitter. Your spirit is always full of love and joy and peace. Anytime you come and, oh God, I'm just such a failure. You've solved your problems. You aren't worshiping him in spirit and in truth. You're in the flesh. You are coming before God on the basis of what you've been doing instead of on the basis of what God did for you and the change that has taken place in your spirit. And this is what turned my life around. I was thinking, God, how could you love somebody like me? Because see, I was looking on the outside. I was looking at my actions. I was seeing me in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw in the mirror and I would search my emotions and I didn't like my emotions and my fears and my insecurities and my bitterness and all of these kind of things. And I didn't like it. How in the world is almighty, holy God going to like it? It's because God doesn't see the way that I see. It says over in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, just a portion of that verse says, for man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on the heart. All of us tend to know ourselves by the physical. We tend to know who we are in the physical realm and we describe what we look like or what we feel like in our body or what we feel like in our emotions. But spiritually speaking, most of us don't have a clue of who we are. And so when we approach God, we say, oh God, I failed you again. Your spirit didn't fail him. Your flesh did, your physical body, your actions, your mental, emotional part failed God. But in the spirit, you are as pure and holy as Jesus is. You are as righteous as Jesus is. You know, we sing songs about, I long to be holy, set apart for you. Oh God, just to be holy. Oh God, make me holy. You were born again holy. Your spirit is righteous and truly holy. Ephesians 4, 24. It's as perfect as Jesus is. You can't get any holier. You aren't becoming holy. You were created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4, 24. It's already done. And if you are worshiping God in spirit, based on who you are in Christ, then all of this self-unworthiness, self-hatred, this insecurity, your fears... Well, this person has abused me and I've had this and I've been defiled. Only your flesh has been defiled. Your spiritual man is perfect and holy in the sight of God. God is dealing with you based on who you are in Christ. And when I saw this, I guarantee you, it revolutionized my life. I began to start discovering who I was. That in the spirit, I have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. And see, prior to this revelation, I'd read something like that and I'd go look in the mirror and I'd think, this is the power of God. This is perfect. This is, I am as Jesus is. And I'd look and I'd have zits and I'd have problems and things like that. And then I'd search my emotions and I'd think, this is like Jesus is. The Bible is just so hard to understand. It's not hard to understand if you understand this truth about spirit, soul, and body that it's in the spirit that you got born again. And in the spirit, you are identical to Jesus. You are exactly like Jesus is. You have his power, his nature, and his ability. And as I begin to see this, I guarantee one of the things it did instantly, if this is who I am, if I am like Jesus, and if I've got raising from the dead power on the inside of me, and if I know all things, as it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, if I have the mind of Christ, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, 
and on and on you can go with all of these things. When I begin to see that this, I can't perceive it in the mirror, I can't perceive it in my emotions, but in the Word, this is who I am in the Spirit. Instantly, my expectation changed. Instead of just seeing myself as, Lord, I'm only human, I'm just a man, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Oh, Jesus, help me to hold up. See, that kind of attitude left when I began to see who I was in Christ and I began to start realizing, praise God. Man, I can walk in the supernatural power of God. We can see the dead raised. We can see blind eyes open. I can overcome things. Like Paul was saying tonight, I don't have to be bound by this world because on the inside of me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Instantly, I begin to relate to God differently because now I was worshiping Him in spirit. I was coming before Him as a forgiven, cleansed person who was identical to Jesus, who had been recreated and put on a level with God. Not saying that I'm God, but my born-again spirit is, is as pure and holy as God is. It's His spirit sent on the inside of me. And when I started seeing this, I started totally changing my expectation. And as I did that, I began to start giving, getting different results. And this has just totally, totally, totally transformed my relationship with the Lord. And it's also changed my theology a lot. Because again, so much of Christianity is not based on who you are in the Spirit. We'll sing songs about further along. We'll know all about it when the Bible says you know all things. Oh, no, I don't know all things. Look at this verse over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me just use this to illustrate my point. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in verse 9 it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered in to the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And you will often hear people take that verse and quote it and they'll mix this with the Old Testament verse that you know what, God's ways are higher than our ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and they come up with songs about further along we'll know all about it. Further along we'll understand why. Cheer up my brother, you're going to be a loser in this life but someday we'll be okay. And we just embrace failure and we embrace problems and well, after all, I'm only human. I'm just a man. I'm not only human. One third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. One third of me is a transformed human being. I am not only human, and therefore I don't have to settle for only human results. Well, this says that I hasn't seen. This is a quotation from an Old Testament scripture. What about that? Look at the next verse. But, but God. But God has, you know what he's doing? He's saying that this is the way it was before Jesus came, before you became a brand new person. If you're just talking about you in your own human ability, you aren't a match for the devil. You aren't a match even for life. If there was no devil, you aren't a match for people. You aren't going to succeed. You cannot in your own natural ability understand and know things. And that is an absolute truth. You know, some people, when I teach along this line, will say, well, wait a minute, John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You are nothing. You're a zero with the rim knocked off. 
You can't do anything without Jesus. And you know what? That is absolutely true. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. But I am not without Jesus. He will never leave me nor forsake me. If somehow or another, just for the purpose of discussion, you could divorce me from Jesus, which cannot happen. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And in the spirit realm, I am who I am, regardless of what happens. But just for discussion's sake, if you could divorce me from Jesus, well then yes, my physical flesh is not any better than anybody else's flesh. My soulish mind and emotions is not any better than anybody else's. And if you're only talking about my physical body and my soulish part, there's nothing special about me. But if you're talking about who I am in Christ, I am a new species of being that never existed before. I have the mind of Christ. I have all of these things. And this is not true that my spiritual man doesn't know anything and it can't understand and it can't perceive. It, just in the natural part, that's true, but God hath revealed them unto us through his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. This isn't dooming us to just stumbling through life as blind people that, well, we can't know the things of God. And so I'm just doing the best I can. And God, I pray you bless it. That's not the way you live your life. This isn't saying that you are destined to be like this. It's just saying in your own natural ability, you can't do this. But if you would walk in the spirit if you would draw upon what has happened to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have the mind of Christ. You know all things. You know all things. God has revealed these things unto you. And praise God, you shouldn't have to go around not understanding what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5, somewhere around verse 16 or 17, it says, Be not ignorant, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You're just ignorant if you don't know what God's will is. Amen? That's what the Bible says. I know some of you are offended. Well, you're calling me ignorant. You're just operating out of your own natural human ability and power. But in the spirit, you have the mind of Christ. God has revealed these things unto you. You don't have to go around like a blind man bumping into walls, falling off of cliffs, walking in front of a Mack truck because you can't see. You can walk by faith and God will show you. You don't have to go. You know, Jamie, the Lord spoke to her at the first of this year and said, take, we don't have a lot of money, but we've got a little bit of money that my board, uh, Paul and, and um, Pastor Bob and others have made us put some money in retirement. So we have a little bit of money invested in the stock market. And God told Jamie to take it out and put it in something safe. And she did. You know what? We've lost one thousandth of our little bit that's in there. And it'll all come back. It's no big deal. You know what? The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. It's what the Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 13. You don't have to be like the world, people that don't have the Spirit of God that just sits there and loses everything when something comes. The Holy Spirit will tell you what's to come. It's what the Bible says. You can listen to the Lord. We don't have to go through life and just hope that God is leading us and blessing us. You can hear the voice of God. You can know God through the Spirit. Your spirit man is now united with God in a way that your carnal man, your physical body and your soulish mind will never be. You don't have to live the way that most Christians have embraced that this, well, we're just, I'm just a man. I, God, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. 
I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I was an old sinner, but I got saved by grace. And now in the spirit, I am reunited with Christ. I have the spirit of God living on the inside of me. And man, I, I've got a new potential and ability that I never had before. Man, this revolutionized my life. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying, but I'm telling you that this is the key. If you could know yourself in Christ, you would, your expectancy would change. You wouldn't put up with stuff that you're putting up with. It's amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing to me how many Christians, they just come up and basically they say, the doctors have given up. I've tried everything. Nothing's worked. And they're basically, without saying it this way, they're saying, I'm powerless. Would you please pray for me? Would you please do something? They've already lost the battle right there because, see, they're just approaching God and me on the basis of what they are in the physical. And they're, they're basically saying, I'm powerless. Everything that can be done has been done. I've done everything and nothing is working. Well, then all that means is you haven't yet operated through the Spirit because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. It just is a testimony of how much in your natural self you are trusting and moving and doing things. In the Spirit, you are greater than cancer. You're greater than any problem that could ever come against you. It's already won. Now, it would be okay if a person came to me and says, man, I know who I am in Christ. I know I've got it. I know I've already won this battle. I know that it's mine, but for whatever reason, I haven't seen the manifestation. Would you agree with me? I'd love to have somebody come to me that way. But most of the time they come totally in the flesh. Nothing is working. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do. Would you please have mercy on me? And if they don't approach me that way, they approach God that way. And I tell you, if I was God, I'd just drop kick them right out into space. Amen. (laughs) The Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have overcome the world. You have all of this power and ability as he is. So are we in this world and on and on the promises go. And yet we come, oh God, I can do nothing without you. I'm nothing. And he says, but you aren't without me. And we just... We operate in the flesh. We aren't worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I'm telling you, in the spirit, you are perfect. You've already overcome everything, and you have all of that potential there at your disposal. It's just a matter of renewing your mind. Your three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit's perfect, but your mind has to be renewed. And it's just a simple majority. If your mind gets in agreement with your spirit, the physical body has to respond, two against one. But the problem is our mind and our emotions is over here with our flesh and we, oh, I hurt. And the doctor said, and the economist said, and CNN said, and we're more moved by what that says. And even though you've got the power of God residing over here in your spirit, none of this power is leaking into your body because it has to go through your soul, through the way you think. And we are being dominated by what we feel. And so we said, but oh God, I just can't, I can't do anything. God, I'm nothing. You aren't in the spirit. In the spirit, you are everything. You are identical to Jesus. You are an overcomer. You are the winner. You've already won. And I know that, you know, there's people listening to me. There's people that I can guarantee you came here tonight, hopeless, helpless, 
and just hoping that I could do something, that I would lay hands on you, and it's offensive. You're saying that you don't understand my plight. You don't understand my problem. You have no pity on me. I have compassion for you, but, you know, I really don't pity you. If you're born again, you've got all of the power of God living on the inside of you, and you're acting like a beggar. You're acting as if you're a loser. You're acting like you have nothing. I can have compassion on you, and I'll tell you the truth, and that's what I'm doing. I'm telling you the truth right now. And some of you are offended because you're saying it's my fault. You're saying that God's done all this and it's just me that doesn't know. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) And there's some of you that don't like that. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. The truth is you've already got everything. And we come before God as if He has done nothing. As if we aren't changed. As if all of His power is out there. And oh God, I know you could just solve this problem in a heartbeat if you just would. But you have done nothing. No, God has done everything. He's put His power on the inside of you. And if you aren't experiencing it, it's not God who hasn't released it. It's you that hasn't received it. You don't know who you are and what you have. Over in uh, Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. He was praying a prayer for Philemon and he says, I pray that the communication of your faith would become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. If you want your faith to be effective, if you want faith to work, if you want to see the miraculous power of God, begin to acknowledge all of the good things that are already within you. It didn't say that your faith begins to work by believing what God can do and and beginning to understand that God could do this. Your problem isn't in doubting God. The problem is that you doubt what God has done in you. You don't know who you are. This is what happened to me. I didn't know who I was in the Spirit. I thought I was still an old sinner. I'm not an old sinner. There isn't any sin left in my spirit. My body and my soul can sin, but it doesn't affect my spirit. I'm going to get into this and talk about this. If at all possible, I encourage you to come back because I'm going to share some things that are just off the charts for the average Christian. They don't understand this, but in your spirit, you have been sanctified and perfected forever. You are in perfect relationship with God You have all power and ability. All of these things are true. And the problem is we haven't been acknowledging the good things that are in us. And so we live like mere mortals. I am not only mortal. There is one third of me that is as complete and perfect and pure as Jesus is. I have his ability, his everything. And if you really go to believing that, I can guarantee you it's going to change your life. It's absolutely impossible, impossible for you to be defeated, depressed, ready to quit and give up thinking about who you are in Christ. It doesn't compute. Who you are in Christ is so glorious. It is so awesome. It is so wonderful. It would put a shout in a statue. It'll it'll make a corpse rejoice. If you're depressed, I can guarantee you, you're looking at depressing things. You're looking on the natural realm. You aren't looking at who you are in the spirit. If you aren't just excited about your life and excited about living and excited about the future, you are not acknowledging who you are in Christ. 
because you have the greatest power that has ever invaded the earth living on the inside of you. And God's plans for you are greater than your plans for yourself. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God, your future is so bright, you got to squint to look at it. Man, God's got great plans for you. And if that's not your attitude, it's because you aren't in the spirit. You are in the flesh. You're dealing with things based only on your physical, natural man and natural ability. I'm telling you, if you're born again, brothers and sisters, you've passed from death unto life. You are now in a brand new dimension. You have a new spirit. You have new abilities. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And if you aren't experiencing that type of victory, and if you aren't excited like that, it's because you are not acknowledging the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. You cannot be spiritually minded and be depressed. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You could, you could say it this way. Carnal mindedness equals death. Spiritual mindedness equals life and peace. And so, if that's a true statement, which it is, then just look at what the fruit is, what the result is. Have you got life and peace? Or have you got some form of death working? Depression is a form of death. Anything that comes as a result of sin. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's not only talking about physical death, but depression, discouragement, bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness. All of those things are a form of death, a result of sin. If you've got any of those working in your life, if they're dominating you, You aren't spiritually minded. You're carnally minded. Carnal mindedness produces death. You know, if you planted a garden, I don't have to be there when you plant your garden. All I got to do is come along when something grows up and I can tell you what you planted in your garden. I don't have to watch you. Just, I'll just be there when it grows up and I can tell you what you planted in your garden. If you got corn growing there, you planted it or somebody else planted it. What you have growing comes from a seed. And that's basically what this verse is saying, Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death. So have you got death working in you? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you fearful? Are you broke? Are you sick? Are you poor? Are you intimidated? Are you any of these negative things? You haven't been spiritually minded. You've been carnally minded. That usually goes over about like that. That's, that's simple, but it's true. It's true of me. It's true of you. If you knew who you were, if you were focused on who you were, if you were approaching things on the basis of who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, I guarantee you, you're going to win every time. Spiritual mindedness equals life and peace. It doesn't ever produce death. It never misfires. It never fails. It always works. Spiritual mindedness produces life and peace. Carnal mindedness produces death. And again, I know that there's people right here tonight that you aren't going to come back because you don't like this. And I'm taking away your excuse. Our society has become masters at dodging responsibility. Oh, you 
You don't understand. I was abused when I was a child. And so therefore I'm a product of my environment. I can't overcome these feelings that I've got. That's carnal mindedness and it only equals death. That is a lie. What Jesus has done for you is so infinitely greater than what any person has done against you, than what the devil has done against you, that it says over in Romans chapter 8, I believe it's around verse 17 or verse 18, it says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world aren't even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Notice it says the glory which shall be revealed. I believe that's talking about in heaven, but it says in us. It's not going to be revealed to us. It's not going to be something we get when we get there. We've already got it. We just don't have the full revelation of it. But to the degree that you get the revelation of it right here, it's not even worthy to mention a person who's been sexually abused when they were a child. That is insignificant compared to what Jesus has done for you. And I know somebody's offended. Wow, you're making light of what happened to me. Well, you're making light of what Jesus did for you. Your mind is like a pair of binoculars. Whatever you focus on magnifies. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the problem is most of us are more focused on the natural realm and our problems and what this person has said and this problem that we've had. And we dwell on that and think about that. And that has become bigger than God to most of us. What I'm trying to do is turn this around and get you to see in the spirit realm and see who you are in Christ and get you to focus on what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done is so awesome that I don't care what anybody else has done to you It is insignificant compared to what Jesus has done for you. And if you were spiritually minded, thinking on who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you, there's not a person in here that has a right to gripe or complain. There's not a person in here, if you've been born again, that what you've received in Jesus isn't infinitely greater than any other problem. And if you would quit being carnally minded and focused on the physical, natural things and instead start seeing who you are in Christ, man, you could be rejoicing, you could be happy, you could be all of these things. And some of you are pulling psychology on me right now and saying, that's not true. You're in denial. I don't deny that problems exist. I don't deny that some people have had a worse life than others. But you're the one that's in denial of what Jesus has done for you. You don't know. You think it's off in the future and you're praying for heaven. And someday when we all get to heaven, it'll be worth it. In the sweet by and by. I'm telling you in the rough now and now, Jesus has already saved you. And right now, everything that you will experience in heaven is already a reality in your spirit. And to the degree that you focus on who you are in the spirit, then your faith will become effectual and you will begin to work and things will, it'll be awesome. And I know that there's some, well, it's different in my case. That's like me going to your garden and say, "I, I, I planted peas. I know that those were peas. I don't know how this corn got here. Whatever you got growing is what you planted. You might've had a bag that said it was peas or something else, but if you, if it, if it grew into a stalk of corn, you planted it. That's the only way it happens. That's the only way it happens. You can sit there and they may have told you that it was 
something else, but whatever you, you got growing is what you planted. And whatever's growing in your life, whatever the fruit is, is what you've been thinking of. If you've got death, you've been carnally minded. That's the only way it happens. Well, I don't think that that's true. Well, then that's carnally minded because you aren't exalting the word of God. I'm telling you, this is what the word of God says. Romans 8, 6. This is what is the truth. It'll never change. This is absolute. Carnal mindedness produces death. Spiritual mindedness produces life and peace. Well, I'm spiritual minded. If you got death, you aren't. You might be religious minded. You might be quote unquote spiritual, spooky, weird minded. But you know what? You aren't word minded or you would get the word results. John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus was speaking. And Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know what, you want to know what being spiritually minded is? It's being minded according to the truth and the revelation of God's word. Somebody said, well, I believe that, I believe that, you know, you just can't see all these kind of miracles happen. That was Jesus, but this is me. Jesus said in John 14, 12, verily, verily. Anytime he starts by saying verily, verily, that means that he knows people aren't going to believe him, so he has to say, this is the truth. This is the truth. (laughs) Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And people immediately say, well, I believe those greater works are being on radio and television. We're reaching the masses Let's not even discuss what the greater works. What are you going to do with the part of the verse that says, the works that I do shall he do also? The works that I do shall he do also, if you believe on me. Well, I believe that Jesus could do these, but I'm not Jesus. He said, the works that he did shall you do also. If you were spiritually minded, which the words that he spoke unto us, they are spirit and they are truth. If you were minded according to what it says in John 14, 12, you would believe that you could heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils because he said that we would do the works that he did. So if you're thinking, well, I can't do that, then you aren't spiritually minded. You're carnally minded. You know, when you use the word carnal, people immediately think, well, you're saying I'm a sinner. You're saying I'm in rebellion towards God. No, you could be a very moral, a very good person. You could be a kind person and be very carnal. All sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. The word carnal literally means of the five senses. What you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. It just means that you're controlled by your five senses. It literally means if you go into the root of the word, it means the flesh as stripped of skin. Not talking about just your outward epidermis, but meat. Matter of fact, you know, when we use the word chili con carne, the word carne is the same root word that carnal comes from. And when you say chili con carne, you're saying chili with meat. It's talking about meat. That's what the word carnal literally at the root level means. So when you're saying you're carnally minded, you're saying you're a meathead. Amen. (laughs) It's just talking about that you are just limited 
to what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But you know what? God, when he originally created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve weren't carnal. They were spiritual. They had a sixth sense where they could see by faith. They could perceive things that you and I don't perceive. They were walking in the spirit. And as a proof of that, the very first thing that happened when they ate of the tree was their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. They were naked before they sinned. Some people think, no, they were clothed in God's righteousness. They had a robe of righteousness. In Genesis chapter 2, about verse 25, 23, 25, it says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were both naked. They didn't have a robe of righteousness. They weren't clothed in the glory of God. They were both butt naked. Amen. (laughs) They had no clothes on, and yet... They had never noticed that they were naked until they sinned. Can you imagine walking around and never noticing whether you have on clothes or if your mate has on clothes? And they could have lived like that for years and they had never noticed that they were naked. I know some of you, I can't understand this. They were walking so much by faith. They were seen by faith to such a degree that their eyes were open. That's the only way they could walk around. That's the only way they could communicate. That's the only way they could do things. Their eyes were open. The information was there, but they weren't dominated by their five senses. They were so in the spirit that they knew each other spirit to spirit. That's part of what 2 Corinthians 5, 16 is talking about. I didn't have time to explain that, but he says, we don't know any man after the flesh. Paul didn't look at you and look at you whether you were a man or a woman, whether you were rich or poor, whether you were white or black. It wasn't even a factor. He didn't judge people on external things. He knew people heart to heart, spirit to spirit. Adam and Eve knew each other as people created in the likeness of God. They dealt with the spirit man because that's the real you. They weren't even occupied with the physical realm. They had never noticed that the other one was naked. Isn't that amazing? Now, even if you get so spiritual that you don't even realize whether you got clothes on or not, everybody else is carnal, so please put your clothes on for the sake of everybody else, amen? And I'm saying that Adam and Eve were so spiritual that they had never noticed that they were naked. They weren't limited to their five senses. God created us to be spiritual, but when we sin... Our spiritual eyes closed and all of a sudden we came into this existence that you and I were born into to where you're just controlled and dominated by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. You're only half a person if you're walking by sight and carnal things instead of by the Spirit. You aren't walk In the New Testament it says, right, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's the normal Christian life. But the normal Christian is walking by sight and not by faith. We have evolved. I believe in evolution. Downward evolution. We started out up here with a person that had six senses walking in the presence of God and seeing by faith. And we have de-evolved into an inferior creation that is carnal, that can't believe anything exists beyond what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. We're limited to our five senses and most of us don't have a clue what's going on in the spirit. How do you know what's happening in the spirit? 
The words that I speak unto you, John 6, 63, they are spirit and they are life. Over in James chapter 1, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty is like a man beholding his face in a mirror. Looking in the word of God is a spiritual mirror. If you want to see if your hair is combed, you can't go by how you feel. Right now, I hope my hair is combed, but I can't tell by feeling of it. It could be messed up and I wouldn't know it. You know what I do? I go and look in a mirror. And I just trust what I see in that mirror. When I'm looking in a mirror, do you know I'm not actually seeing me? Some of you think, yes, you are. No, I'm seeing a reflection of me. Did you know with my eyes, I have never seen my face. I have seen a reflection of my face. I've seen a picture of my face. I've seen a drawing of my face. But I've never looked directly at my face. You have never seen your face. You know, we were over in Uganda and there was this big old tall mirror right next to the elevator that we took up to our room and it made you look short and fat. And I looked at that and I said, I know I'm not that big. But you know what? That's what the mirror said. But I had enough sense to know that wasn't really me. How do you know that you aren't looking in a mirror that makes you look fat? And the truth is you're actually a skinny person. You just look fat in the mirror. I'm not trying to get you to doubt what you see in the mirror. I'm just saying, you know what? You're taking it by faith because you aren't really seeing yourself. You're seeing a reflection of yourself or something. When you look in the word of God, you are seeing your spiritual self. And you just have to take this by faith. Somebody comes up, how are you? Oh, well, I hurt. Oh, the doctor says I'm dying. Or you tell them how you feel. What you ought to do is say, well, let me see right here. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Right here it is. Verse 3, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. I say that to people all the time. And people say, no, I want to know how you really are. And I said, I really am blessed. Amen. Well, I know you're hurting and I know that you've had something bad happen and I know you're bound to be discouraged. I don't want to hear your confession. I want to know how you really are. I really am blessed. They try and get me out of the spirit and to get back into the flesh because that's what they consider to be the real them. But you know what? I consider myself to be a new person and who I am in the spirit is who I am. And what I have in the spirit is who I am. And that's, that's going to be who I am. And people say, well, you're in denial. You're absolutely right. I am denying that I am only mortal. I am denying that I am only human. There is one third of me that is wall to wall, Holy Ghost, and I am finding out who I am and I'm walking in the spirit and I'm basing my life on what I have in Christ. And I lift my hands and I praise God, not because I always feel like it and everything's perfect in the natural, but I'm looking at who I am in the spirit and in the spirit, I got nothing but thanks to praise God for. I got no reason to be griping or complaining. I am blessed, 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 blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's in the spirit realm. And people say, well, I want it out here in the physical realm. Well, it'd be easier for you to just step over into the spiritual realm. And once you start walking in the spirit and thinking spiritually minded, then all you'll get is life and peace and your life will turn around. But you have to access it first in the spirit realm. You have to see who you are in Christ. 
And the only way to do that is through the Word of God. This is your window into the Spirit. You know, right now, we can't see what it's like outside. We all know that it's dark outside, but let's just say that I preached so long (laughs) that you weren't sure if it was still dark or not. Has the sun come up? You couldn't tell in this auditorium because you know what? There aren't any windows. But what you could do is go, if, if we had a window somewhere, you could go look through that window and peer into the outside and see if it was light or if it's dark, if it's raining or if it was clear skies and if you could see the stars or whatever. You, you just look. Well, that's what this is. This is a window into the Spirit. Some people are saying, well, I want to find out who I am in the Spirit. So you get in the lotus position and you sit there and go om and you try and get in touch with the Spirit. That'll put you in the spirit realm, but it's a demonic spirit realm and it's deception and it's lies. If you want to know what's going on in the God spirit realm, you have to look in the Word of God and whoever looks into this is looking into a spiritual mirror. You're looking through a window into the spirit man. And you have to get to where you trust what this says as much as you trust what you see in a mirror. Most of us have more faith in a mirror than we have in the Word of God. This is absolutely accurate. It says you can do all things. And you're saying, oh, I can't do it. I've tried everything. Nothing's worked. You're in the flesh. You haven't seen through the mirror. You aren't walking in who you are in the Spirit because this... What the Word says you are, you can do all things through Christ. If you've given up and said, it it isn't working for me, you aren't in the Spirit. You're in the flesh. It's really simple. Well, I'm depressed. Would you please pray for me that I could have joy and peace? No. Because in the Spirit, you've already got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's what the Bible says. You've already got, well, I don't feel it. Well, then get out of the flesh and into the Spirit. Amen. I know some of you, your mind is just tilting because this is like we're going this direction at a thousand miles an hour. And what I'm saying is this direction. It's completely contrary. Well, I've spent, I've spent 40, 50, 60 years going by what I feel. And now you're telling me that I've all along had the power of God. I saw my mate die. I saw my children die. I've seen hurt and pain and I've been depressed and I've been dealing with depression. And I was abused 40 years ago and I've been living a life of misery and suffering and limping through life. And you're telling me I didn't have to do it. Yep, that's what I'm saying. And there's a lot of people that rather than change would rather just keep their problems. They would rather limp through life and have people pity them than to get up and to receive the blessing of God. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you've been born again, you've got everything that God is on the inside of you. And the only thing that's keeping it from being ineffectual is that you haven't acknowledged the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. And when I started doing this, my life has transformed. I can't tell you what this has done for me. I'm trying to tell you, but I'm, I'm really ineffective. There's no way I can tell you how much this revelation has transformed my life. And I'm seeing it work everywhere. We were with Leland in Uganda. People were standing up. And you know, this was so neat because they, when I first went over there, they had never had my stuff translated into their language. 
And it was just Leland and his, uh, you know, other uh, graduates of the school who had been over there teaching these truths. So they didn't even hear it from me. It wasn't my tapes. It wasn't my books. It was other people who took the message to them. And they had never met me. They had never seen me. And they started standing up and giving testimonies. And they were saying word for word what God did for me 40 years ago. And they were getting the same results and testifying. And I saw that this truth was changing people's lives. It wasn't me that had changed them. It was just truth. And it doesn't matter if I say it. It doesn't matter if you put it on a machine and a machine says it. It doesn't matter where they get it from. The truth sets people free. And people's lives were being changed. Exactly. They were giving testimony to the same thing that had happened in my life 40 years ago. Man, the Word of God is powerful. And if some of you are saying, but my situation is unique, then that's carnally minded and that's the reason you're dying. Because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God says that there is no temptation unique to you. Whatever's happening to you is common to everybody else. The devil may put it in a different package, put a different wrapper on it, a different bowl, but the contents are exactly the same for you and me. And for you to sit there and say, well, that'll work for you, but that won't work for me. You aren't spiritually minded. You aren't thinking according to what the mirror says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And that's the reason that you've got death. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, what God has done for us is greater than whatever the devil or life is doing against us. And you are more than a conqueror. You are more than able. And if we would just accept that, I tell you what, that would just build so much hope and faith on the inside of you. There are other things besides this. You need to learn, all right, I accept that I've got it. Now, how do I get it out? How do I walk in it? There's a lot of things to learn. But just knowing that you've got the victory on the inside of you will cause you to start walking in victory. When Jamie and I first got turned on to the Lord, we went over to Seagaville, Texas, and I'd, I'd never heard of Copenhagen, Copeland and Hagen. I didn't, I'd never heard of faith teaching. I was in the Baptist church. I didn't know anything. But I knew who I was in Christ and I knew I had the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And I started praying for blind eyes. And I saw blind eyes open before I knew that there was another person in the history of the world for the last 2,000 years that had ever seen a blind eye open. I started seeing cancers heal. I started seeing miracles before I knew that there was another person that had done it in the last 2,000 years. I didn't have anybody to emulate, but I saw who I was in Christ. And I said, the same things that he did, I can do. And I guarantee you, it just started changing. You know, an old blind squirrel will get a nut every once in a while if he doesn't quit. And I didn't know very much, but I knew I had the power of God in me. And I just started praying for anything and everything. And every once in a while, we stumbled onto a miracle. Just knowing that you got the power is 90% of the battle. And then learning how to release it just makes it easier and you become more effective. But I'm telling you, 
Brothers and sisters, you are a world overcomer if you've been born again. And there is zero reason for us to be under the circumstances. We ought to be above only and not beneath. And I tell you, this is what this teaching has done for me. It's totally changed the way I look at things. It's totally changed the way I relate to God. It's totally changed my faith. If you aren't born again, did you know you can solve that problem here tonight? And there's, you know, there's a lot of religious people that think, well, I go to church and I'm a good person and I, I believe that Jesus died. So did the devil. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 19, do you believe that there's one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But won't you know, amen, that faith without works is dead? That's one of the most sarcastic statements in the Bible. You believe that there's one God? You hadn't done anything the devil hadn't done. You've got to do something the devil hasn't done, and that is you have to commit your life to him. You have to trust your life to him. You have to make him Lord, is what it says in Romans 10, 9. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's more than just saying that word. You have to make him Lord. You have to submit to him, not promising that you'll never make a mistake, but making the commitment that I want you to have control of my life. I totally put my faith in you. If you've never done that, if all you've done is just acknowledge that he exists, but you run your life, you, run, you do your own thing, you've never made Jesus your Lord, you must be born again. And then when you get born again, all of these things I've talked about tonight become true. You become a brand new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. And then once you get born again, Jesus told us not to go minister, not to do anything until we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, which is a separate experience from being born again. It doesn't have to be separated by years or months. It could be separated by a minute. But it is a second experience. You have to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and be born again. And then you have to be endued with power from on high. And when that happens, there's multiple things that happen, but you receive the gift of speaking in tongues. Man, when I started speaking in tongues, I tell you, it's just like sticking a key in the ignition and turning it. And I mean, all of a sudden, all of the power under the hood roars to life. Speaking in tongues will jumpstart the power of God in your life. And there's other things to it. You got to put it into gear. You got to learn how to turn the steering wheel and guide it and direct it. But I tell you what, speaking in tongues will turn on the power of God in your life. If you don't have that, you need it. Somebody says, well, they don't preach that in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. <laughs> they preach that in this church. I guarantee you, Pastor Bob and Joy, they speak in tongues. They preach this. It's the truth. Somebody said, well, are you one of those who believes that you don't go to heaven if you don't speak in tongues? No, I believe you can go to heaven without speaking in tongues. As a matter of fact, you can get there quicker if you don't speak in tongues. Because <laughs> you aren't going to have any power in your life and the devil's going to kill you. You can go to heaven without speaking in tongues, but why? Why would you want to? Man, it's a wonderful gift. I'm telling you, it changed my life. Changed me totally. And I know some of you came here thinking, well... You aren't like those other guys. You just sit still. You don't scream and spit and sweat and wipe your head with a towel. And I didn't know you was one of those tongue talkers. Well, I am. You're here now and you're already guilty by association. They're going to talk about you for coming over here. 
So you might as well get something, amen, and let them have something to talk about. You might as well get the benefit of it. They're, you're you're going to be put in our category anyway, amen. <laughs> Praise God. So is there anybody here tonight who has never been born again and you'd like to be, or if you've been born again, but if you didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues and you'd like to receive that, is there anybody here that would just raise your hand and say, that's me and I want to receive tonight? Man, we got hands all 